Coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios in Binghamton, New York, this is Horror Zone 607. We are the podcast that talks all things horror and brings you the week's biggest horror movie news. I'm your host, Spooky Mike C, and here we come one step closer to the month of October, our favorite month of the year. But it's still September, and we've got some fun things to talk about this week. But I can't do that without first introducing somebody who just today was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame for the second time. He's rich. Take that, Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe Jackson. Greater than both. You are. Greater than both. We all knew that, though. There's no surprise there. Neither of them. Neither of them are in the Hall of Fame. And I am a two-time, two-time Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. That's actually true. It was really great seeing you. Once as a player... And once as the greatest influencer of baseball of all time. Yes. I am the man. I was surprised by that. I am the man who personally gave the steroids to Barry Bonds. That's also true. That's also very true. And you you earned your place in the Hall of Fame because of it. I know. And he can't even get in because of it. So suck it, Bonds. (laughs) I got to say, it was absolutely wonderful seeing you on television during the Hall of Fame induction on the Major League Baseball Network. Thank you. I appreciate it. You looked, I knew you'd be a big fan. I, I really am a big fan of that. I was a big fan. I'll always be a big fan. I brought I brought back the, uh, the, the uh, Terry Kaiser as well. Yes. Because uh, I needed him to do his infamous dance. Because I needed, yeah, man. You, you got to do it big. If you're going to go in the Hall of Fame, you got to do it large. Yeah, you got to do the Bernie. You can't do it cheap. You can't you do, gotta it cheap. do the Bernie. Speaking of him, uh, he is going to be in a uh, f- upcoming movie coming out, uh, Friday the 13th fan film. Yeah, it's I a, saw it's, that. It's called Rose Blood. Rose Blood. Yes, yeah, it's going mean, to have Lar Park Lincoln in it. Yeah, it's kind of intriguing. I, I want to see this. It's basically, it's like a, a sequel direct to, sequel to Seven. Yeah, and it, it's it looks strange. I don't I'm think in. anybody's made a sequel to that one. I don't and, think and so. In the, in the form of a fan film, obviously. So there's a free shout out because, uh, <laughs> or in general, because Part yeah, Eight really a, wasn't. But I finally did. I will say this, and we're not doing a review of it today. But I did finally watch Voorhees because mm-hmm. I had not seen that prior. Uh, I will say, I wasn't bad. The acting was good, and the, the the violence was good. The story, I feel like I've watched that one. That was the one that was kind of a mix of uh, Last House on the Left meets Friday the 13th from the trailer. I'd have to watch. But it, w- it wasn't like that in reality, but I, I would say I've check it out. I've seen so many Friday the 13th fan the kills, films now, I can't keep... Oh, I, I love it. I can't keep them straight the kill, as to which ones I've seen and haven't. The kills were good. I thought the makeup design was good. So I would say go ahead and find it. It's on YouTube. It's just called Voorhees. Check yeah, it out. I'm so, almost positive go. I've seen it. If not, go ahead and check it out because yeah. I tried. It was worthwhile. the The story is gets a little in the weeds at times, but the acting's not bad. Mm. It's shot pretty well. Uh, you know, definitely you could tell it's an independent film or a fan film, but it's mm-hmm. still shot pretty well. And I'll tell you what, the makeup effects, woo, top notch. Yeah, top notch. I was actually very impressed. I'm like, whoever's doing those needs to go to Hollywood, kick somebody who's doing CGI out, and show them how it's done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I wish that that would happen. Uh, I know it's more expensive to do practical effects, but you know, whatever. Yeah, well, with that being said, we got a great show for you guys. Kind of a shorter one, but still some really good stuff. So how about we kick it on over to the Horror Zone News. It's like you read my mind. I was listening to this in the car on the way over here. You came in humming this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was that's literally where, what was playing was I got out of my car. And that's where I got the idea from. <laughs> 
We're always on the same page. There it is. Or close to it. Close anyway. to it. At least, at least in the same neighborhood. Well, it is time for some news. And, you know, like you said at the top here, we don't have a lot of news this week. It was kind of a slow uh, week for news, which tends to happen every year in September and then it, like, explodes once we get to October. But, uh, you know, what do you think of when you think of the month of October and horror movies? You think of Halloween. No, oh, yes. And I don't mean the holiday. I mean the movies and the series. And what do we know about the new movie, Halloween Kills? Well, there were finally some first reactions because the movie has now been shown. To critics. To critics. And um, we got our first reactions to it. Yeah, and this I, happened just... This wasn't even in my notes this week. This happened right as we were setting up to do the show this week. Well, I have some of them right here. You want to hear them? I would, because I, from what I've read, it's kind of like uh, bittersweet. Collider's Raphael Mortimer tweets halloween kills is a darker meaner more disturbing entry into the franchise the kills are absolutely brutal and shocking in the best way it was a great seeing old characters again and there is a flashback that blew my mind uh so next up we have uh ben ralph uh tweets and he is from discussing film uh he called it originally in a written uh in a written statement called it a blood-filled roller coaster of film with some of the most gnarly kills the flat the, the slasher franchise has ever created uh, he also then tweeted, it might be one of the most brutal films ever made. Uh, Rolf also praises the film for being quite refreshing as it takes some surprising turns in its story. Beyond Fest tweets and praises for the film, over-the-top kills we haven't seen in 40 years, relentless, outrageous, incredible to watch with an audience. It is insane. Uh, also down here, let's see, Asher Luberto calls the film an effective sequel in the Raps uh, review. Asher writes, Halloween Kills is no mere gore fest. It's about the generational trauma bestowed upon Haddonfield. The action sequences are more than just action sequences. In green social allegory, they are a way of citizens to confront their trauma, their rage, their oppression, and to reclaim their power and agency through revenge. We see Haddonfield not just as a victim of a mass assailant, but also a victim of larger forces who will stop at nothing to dehumanize their community. Uh, Jessica King reviewed for the playlist and uh, she noted that the film's kills are a case of quantity over quality and that the rest of the storyline falls by the wayside. Jessica writes, in an effort to remake and refresh the mythology of the franchise, the writers have strayed dangerously close to getting rid of it altogether, virtually destroying the one relationship of any substance at all and the only one we really give a damn about. That semi-mystical, weirdly symbiotic link between Laurie Strode and her eternal faceless nemesis. Uh, so far, that's the only one that I've seen. And uh, the Hollywood Reporter's David Roney notes that the film amps up the violence and gore at the expense of actual scares or even a modicum of suspense. Uh, he writes, this latest installment is like a latex ghoul mask so stretched and shapeless it no longer fits. IndieWire's review from Ben Kroll gives the film a C-plus, saying Halloween kill ha Kills has little more to offer than a jacked-up body count on a bed of fan service. Which is not a bad thing, my friends. Uh... Going back to Raphael Mortimer's tweet, he explains that one downside of Halloween's kills is that 100% half of film. Uh, Raphael finishes his thoughts with a joke, and it ends up... <laughs> and he doesn't finish the sentence, just so you know. He doesn't finish abruptly. Yes. Uh, yeah. Owen Gilberman's review for Variety reads, It's a mess, a slasher movie that's almost never scary, slathered with topical problem, and with too many parallel plot strands that don't go anywhere. Uh, of course, released on October 15th. And uh, those are some. So it looks like mixed reviews yet again. Yeah, and that, the the negatives of this, everything that everybody's saying that's negative about this is how I felt about Halloween 2018 and the sense that I was getting from the trailer, which I've now seen twice. Once 
uh, when it first released and then on the big screen, which we're going to get into more when we get into the second uh, half of the show here because you and I went to see a movie this weekend and they played the trailer before it. Yeah. And uh, actually seeing it on the big screen and stuff, it, you know, it made me even less enthusiastic, if you can imagine that, to see it. See? So that's the sense that I'm getting. We're proof, we're, we are proof positive of what they're talking about because I'm on the opposite end. I think this is good. I think it's fine. I like hearing that the kills are a, a, a bountiful and fucking gory because that's what it should be. Uh, I think it's kind of weird that they are somehow sliding into the slasher genre that there should be scary because uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Most slasher films aren't scary. But Halloween was. Yeah, but you know what? It's a different time and age and you're not going to remake Halloween. Ask Rob Zombie. Well, so you have to do something that is for this age. This what worked in 1979 or no, Eight. yeah, in 1978. Sorry, I'm off by a year. What worked Excuse there me. doesn't work here now. Just like what worked, and when we 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 talked about this perfectly when we've uh, brought up before. Maybe we'll sometime we'll compare and contrast, which I hope we do. The original Last House on the Left to the remake. Mm. Like you can tell that they're different generations. I mean, one is a better movie in my opinion, and I, I'm not going to lie to anybody. It's the remake. I agree 100 percent. But that. but at the same time, you can see where the generations change. Back when it was made in the early 70s, rape was fine, sexual abuse was fine, but they toned back the violence. In the new one, they toned back the sex and they amped up the violence because violence is okay in our society. Eh, sex not so much. Yeah. And that is that's the truth. That is that's 100 percent truth. And, and, and I'm not shitting on anything. I'm just saying we're in a different era. We're in a different time. I don't know. And I mean, to me and you who are movie buffs and to anybody else who's our age and even some of the younger fans that are movie buffs, you might look at the 78 film like we do as a classic and it's, it's one of the most perfect movies ever. However, when you look at it through 2021 eyes, even people who are fans of the genre, some of them look at it and they're like, oh, it's a creepy older stalker dude stalking girls. Yeah, and it's kind of funny you mentioned that because there's a, a guy I work with that, that I'm friends with. And when Halloween 2018 came out, um, me and another co-worker were talking about the original and how great it was. And we suggested it to this gentleman. And he's like, you know, he's like, I'm going to go home and watch it. And the next day he came to work and he's like, so I watched it. He goes, the movie was ridiculous. It was laughable. It was funny. There was nothing scary. There was nothing. It was, I was laughing through the whole thing. I don't know how that's considered a classic. It was terrible. I'm like, what? Yeah, but now everybody's been desensitized. True. And, and, and I don't know what he watches and doesn't watch. Right, right. But but here's my my take on this. I think you have to make this the modern story. And we already knew where David Gordon Green was going with this movie. And it sounds like from the reviews, even from the negative ones, I feel like he hit it. Because what, what did he say? He said, in the second movie, we're going to talk about a town that was brutalized by Michael Myers now twice. And that is done. And this is the age of the mob. This is the age of, of, of Twitter and Facebook. So what happens when the mob, what happens when the, when the person who is the killer now becomes the prey? Because the hunter is becoming the prey in this movie. We, we, we see this even in the trailer. So it's a whole different ball game right now. And, and I'm intrigued to see, and it sounded like even in a couple of the negative inter the ones that they said, whatever the flashback scene is pretty, pretty amazing. Because even the negative people said something about that. Yeah. So it obviously stuck with people. The only thing that I can see that is across the board also is that I think some people might not like it because it cuts off. But we knew this was the second part of a trilogy. Right. So therefore, I anticipated this movie to end differently. And I hope it doesn't end. I hope it's... A, the Abrupt actually gives me a little bit of comfort. And you want to know why? Because I hate the fact that they end every movie where you think the killer is compromised and dead. So how about we do a movie where we don't know? It's just abrupt. It's just an end. Because there's a continuation. Once. It was called Halloween 5. Right. And unfortunately... That was done very poorly. Uh, well, well, unfortunately, actually, the ending wasn't done that bad. 
But the well, next it was, movie was done fucking yeah, poorly. Yes. Like, you left on a cliffhanger, but there was no payoff. Let's put right. it that way. Or the there was no was, payoff, and the movie itself right, had a right. lot of flaws to it. Oh, absolutely. It's, I'm, I'm not saying Halloween 5 is a great movie. As we all know, I'm not a fan of that movie. Right. It's not at my top half. But I will defend the fact that I, I did like what they did with the ending, only we never got a payoff because 6 was so bad. Right. That's, that is true. So That is true. I'm just saying keep the faith to everybody out there. Mike C's probably going to hate this movie either way, although he will see it 152 times. Yeah, I'll see it more than everybody in this building. Including four times in the theater. That won't happen. I don't even know that I'm going to go see it in the theater, to be honest. I'm going to be, because I'm going to come on here and I'm going to review it and ruin the whole movie for you. That's fine, because I don't care if I see it or not, to be honest. I have got no hope for this after what he put out with the last one and what I'm seeing in the trailer. And I told you, you know, over the weekend when when we we, uh, saw the other movie that we're going to talk about later, we discussed this. And, you know, for Halloween 2018, I was cautiously optimistic that it was going to be good. I was excited about it. And when I saw it, I hated it. This one, I hate everything about the trailer. I'm expecting the worst. Maybe... Maybe you're gonna love maybe it. Maybe just maybe I'll like it. Well, here's my thing. I I, I actually kind of dig there being a higher body count in the sequel. It's been done before. I mean, Friday the Thirteenth did it. Yeah, and 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 I'm not upset about that. So I mean, I I just think that you have to do something different, and you have to go through some things. And I I'm gonna give it an optimistic. I once again, I'm not one of these people who thought that Halloween 2018 was a nine out of ten either. You know, right. I, I said last week I've given it a six and a half. I think I'm going to stay there. Originally, I gave it a six. It has gone up half a point, mostly probably just to bother you because you keep dropping it by half a point. <laughs> but anyways, I, I'm just saying the, on the last watch of it, I'm like, you know what? I did enjoy this movie. I'm not saying that it and once again, six and a half doesn't mean it's great. It means it's just was good. I didn't even, you know, because to be great, you have to be seven and a half or above. No, just going by the way I do my scale. But it was good. I, I, I liked it. I liked it better than I can almost all of the sequels to the original movie, with the exception of I actually like two. Yeah, I do. I too. actually thought it was a good companion film, but and I also like four. So I mean, it is actually fourth in line in in, in yeah. how I look at the movies. See, I like two, four. I and like I don't about count half three. a five. I don't count three, no, even I, though I, yeah. I do love three. If you're asking, three is actually my second favorite Halloween movie. Yeah, same here. So so just yeah, I know people. But if we're gonna take that out, whatever, just but taking about... it out and talk about the Michael Myers saga, yeah. Yeah, two, four, half of five, and I do like H2O. My, my biggest qualm with H2O is that it was too short of a movie, and I wish that they hadn't left out the Jamie Lloyd storyline. There was originally, we've talked about it on here before, anybody that's a, really a fan of the series is pretty much, you know, it's common knowledge that originally, in the original script, there was a scene where Lori's sitting at her desk at the school, and she looks down and sees a picture of Jamie Lloyd and starts crying, and then they just kind of move on. You know, there was, it wasn't anything big, and they just they decided not to film that and kept that out of it. And why I don't know. I think that it would have appeased a lot of people for them to put that in there. But be that as it may, I still think that movie's only like an hour and twenty minutes long. I think that that could have benefited from another half hour because I really like H two O. I just wish that there was a little bit more to it. That was the first one I ever saw, by the way. So maybe that's why I like it as much as I do. I know a lot of people are fans of it, but you, you, when you want to do a comparison between H two O and twenty eighteen, I don't think there is a comparison. I think H two O is by far the superior story, by far the superior movie, despite the the shortness of it, despite Michael's mask. CGI you know, mask just, ruins it a lot. You know, it, it hurt it, but it's just, you know, when it comes down to it, it's just a mask. You know, I just, I, I feel like the story was there and that it held true to the original in a way, whereas this one, it didn't. I thought it had an abysmal storyline. I, I, I hated everything about it. I hated the mask. I hated the music. And I love John Carpenter's scores. You know, we, we did a top 30 count on a scores and how many John Carpenter films did I have on there? I love John Carpenter's, you know, older classic music. I hate this. Well, you're just fickle. That's how I've always pointed out. But um, let's go into good, some good news. I'm, I'm going to go see it. I think it's going to be fine. Well, I like to judge for myself. But 
Let's go into some good news. While we're still on Halloween, yes, and we might as well announce it. This year, Halloween Fest, four weeks in October. What are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We are going to actually, for the first time, because we have never done any kind of reviews for the Halloween films. We did the our orders and what we like, what we did countdowns and what we right, love right, right. about them. We've, We've never, never done actually reviewed them. Review them. So what we're doing is we're going to start this year with what we're calling because there's so many different sagas. There's so many different timelines. We're not going to go through the whole time. What we're going to do is we're going to go through what we're calling the Laurie, Laurie Strode saga, the OG Laurie Strode saga. So that's going to be Halloween 1, Halloween 2, H2O, and Resurrection. Yes. So we're going to go through those four movies in the month of October, the OG Laurie Strode saga from Halloween. And then maybe the following year, we talked about doing the Jamie Lloyd saga. And of course, uh, we are will also be uh, doing probably a double review long week on the week the Halloween uh, Kills comes out because obviously we're, we want to bring you our take on Halloween. Right. But with that being said, there it is. Halloween Fest this year. Coming straight at you. The OG Laurie Strode saga coming from Horizon 607. So that's uh, coming up in a few weeks. Laurie Fest. Laurie Fest. That's what we should call it. We should call it that. We'll call it Laurie Fest. Laurie Fest. But it's going to be the OG. A Strodathon. Strodathon. <laughs> Both of them are good, but we're going to call we'll, it. We'll come up with it. We're gonna. We are going to do it uh, this this year. And but like I said, it will be the OG. Yes. So one. So the original Halloween, nineteen seventy eight, Halloween two, and then H two O Resurrection, the OG. Absolutely. All right, and we got a little bit more Halloween news Ooh, uh, Halloween. that kind of goes along with this. Is you know there's there's been so many different dates for all of the movies that have. We're supposed to come out last year, supposed to come out this year. Everything obviously keeps getting moved around because of the pandemic. One of the things we were a little bit worried about was that Venom Let There Be Carnage most recently had been scheduled to come out the same day the Halloween Kills, which is October 15th. You and I were talking about it last week. Um, actually, it might have even been over the weekend about my concern with it. And you were like, ah, there's nothing to be concerned about. People are going to go see both and, you know, it's going to be fine. Well, Problem solved because Let There Be Carnage is going to be coming out October first now. Yes, two uh, full weeks before Halloween, kills. and I think that's an even smarter move. Even smarter move because the week before Halloween Kills comes out, a little movie called No Time to Die comes out. Of course, that's the last in the uh, Daniel Craig Bond saga. So I'm I'm assuming that it will do very well. I'll be going to see it. So it comes out now when there's nothing else of major coming out, which is perfect. Because then you doesn't have to worry. Because now with less people in the in the theaters, if you have too many blockbusters, it does get convoluted. I did say that I think these two movies could have coexisted. Talk about Halloween Kills and Venom, although it would have cut into some prices. I will it be would honest, have. it would have cut in, but I think they still could have coexisted better than it could have coexisted with Bond. And here's the only thing I'm concerned with. It, you know, again, I, I'm obviously made no mistake about it. I'm not very excited to really see this movie, but be that as it may, Halloween 2018 made like 250 gazillion dollars at the box office. This one is clearly not going to make that just because of the times that we're in. But we're talking about a Marvel character movie two weeks before. Those movies tend to have longevity at the box not office. Not anymore. No. I'm just saying during COVID era, not anymore. Didn't the newest one All do really them. well, though? It made it, Actually, and that's Shang one more thing Chi we're going to talk about. Shang-Chi just came out this week. And that's one other piece of news that I was going to talk but, about. That actually upended Rob Zombie's Halloween for the highest grossing movie uh, of Labor Day weekend. Well, that's fine. But once again, at the, at the expense of everybody else. True. Uh, but here's the thing. We'll see what the follow-up is because the only other one that we've had a follow-up on was uh, Black Widow, and it took the biggest nosedive in the history of, of Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So, and if you look at it, like something will debut big, uh, 
comes to mind even like something like quiet uh not quiet place two but uh well actually quiet place two is a perfect opportunity because quiet place two opened during the pandemic it opened up with like uh i think the opening week was like 40 or 60 40 or 50 million and then it did a, it stayed around for a while at 10 million and right. that's how it made most of its money and that's kind of what every other movie has done so you're seeing even like like something like free guy which was a big budget movie that opened up to like a 40 million dollar opening week and then since then it's still been on the list for the last month but it's been below 10 million every week so it's slowly chipping its way up and that's how everything's kind of working now so do we think that venom might linger around long enough where two weeks later it might cut into halloween and then james bond only one week later cutting into it no i kind of have a feeling it might not be number one at the box office it might not it, well it might not be anyways but i i, I don't know it would have been in normal times i just want I to don't point that out. i don't know here's the thing i would have had less faith in it if this was normal times because Venom would have stayed around a lot longer, but those that so and, no that Bond would have already have come out though, or would have been different dates. Yeah, they well, have, I mean, they we're not. Been if we're going to go. I'm, I'm, we're just going with what we have now. We're not going with with their original schedule because that's damn near impossible. Because I can't go. <laughs> I don't remember what was supposed to come out in 2000 yeah, But I'm just going to throw this out there. I, I don't think that it's going to hurt it as bad as you think. Reason being is that the people who are going to movie theaters, I feel like it's the same people because that's how the trend is right now. It makes a lot of money opening week. Well, not a lot, but, you know, a lot for the pandemic. And then every week it gets subsequently lower. Like, and I mean subsequently lower. So what it feels like to me is that people like me who go to see a movie every week are literally the people who are going. You're going to see the new hot movie and then next week the next not movie and then next week the next hot movie and then next week the next hot movie so the whatever movie comes out and is the hot movie is going to be number one because that's where the because you're not going back and re-watching a movie mm -hmm. you know other with the exception of going to see Candyman with you that's the only movie i've seen twice in the theaters since i've been to the theaters yeah and think about it i used to go see a lot of movies it's not that any of them were bad i mean i'm gonna I think this I weekend was there every week or every other week well, you know what i mean though so yeah. i don't i don't think it hurts that much because i think by that logic you start to see that it's not some people going back and watching it a second time right. i went and i saw it i'm not going next week when i go so i went to see carnage on the first next week when i go i'm going to see no time to die then i'm going to see halloween kills I feel like that is what you're the trend that I'm seeing between this show and the Three Fat Nerds podcast where we talk about the box office. So I really feel confident that that's what's going on. You know who could save the box office for Halloween Kills who if could? we could just make it happen? Who? You think our friend Ken M from the ODPH. <laughs> if we get him there, he'll review it and people will go see it. It'll make $300 million in its opening He's, weekend. You're so, trying so hard to go get him. To, he ain't going. <laughs> He ain't going. He ain't going. Ken, if you're listening, go see Halloween Kills. He, he, I've tried to You'll get him to single-handedly save it. Dude, I, I tried to get him to go to so many horror movies, he ain't going. <laughs> he went to see Alien I, uh, I did, Covenant. I, I, went, did, I was well, with That's him. not really a horror movie. I mean, it is. I like it, but it's more sci-fi. I was sci surprised he was there. But Sci-fi. People no, love yeah. aliens. Yeah, sci-fi lovers love aliens. And yes, aliens is horror, but it's also sci-fi. Yeah. So, And he's a big sci-fi guy. But I will say this. I, I mean, I got him into watching death matches. So that's true. I, I might be able to swing something. But we can make it happen. All right. So the last piece of uh, news, if you want to call it that, that we're going to discuss this week is uh, just uh, today, uh, a couple hours before we started recording this, the first trailer for Mike Flanagan's new Netflix series, Midnight Mass hit. And uh, we both got a chance to watch it. I think it looks pretty cool. What do you think? Needful things. Yeah. Kind of reminds me. It looks little a little bit. bit like Needful Things. Little if you guys bit. don't remember, that is a Stephen King book that became a movie. Uh, the movie wasn't as good as the book. No. But it was about basically the, the devil comes to this uh, coastal town. Right. In, in of course, Maine. Because Stephen King. Of course. King. Yeah. 
and uh, the devil sets up shop and uh, weird things start to happen because you know you may as you make deals he opens up a little uh, store called Needful Things called Needful Things and uh, people are buying stuff with no money and he's just kind of like taking their souls in exchange and they don't realize it right <laughs> so I mean and I'm not saying this is exact but this is the vibe I got from it which is not a bad thing because I actually really like the Needful Things uh, book and the movie wasn't horrible it just wasn't the best but uh, I never read the book uh, but I did watch the movie, and I wasn't a huge fan of it. So. I, I, I definitely did, but uh, I can't wait to... Uh, Starring Max von Sydow? Yes, he was there. I never knew how you pronounced I always thought it was Sydow. He looked great Max as von the Cito. devil, by the way. Yeah, he did. He did. Like, he, he, I he forgot the, that he passed away last year. I know. It's hard to see that picture of him, because in the movie, he had the dark hair with a dark mustache. Yeah. So it's kind of weird to see the, the picture of him as he got a little older. But anyways, going back to this, I really thought this looked really cool. And like I said, I'm comparing it to Needful Things in a good way, not a bad way. It seems like there's something going on. This man comes back to this town. I don't know if he just went to jail or got out of rehab. or, or he, He's obviously was somewhere less in his life. Rock bottom, if you will. He's come back home, what it appears. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, they show him the thing. We have a new priest. And then all of a sudden, they kind of they show like different things. It makes you think that it's not a horror show. And then all of a sudden, we go into the supernatural. Right. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I so. kept waiting for something to happen because I, I thought that it had something to do with like exorcism or something like that from when we first heard about it. Maybe I'm confusing that with something else, but I thought it had something to do with the devil, which yeah, would make sense. Once, once again, that's yeah. what that's a game. But they the did pick up by the end of it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Out It'll be the, good. It's a Mike Flanagan series on Netflix. It's going to be excellent. Out of the two minutes and twenty three second trailer, you get to about the minute 45 mark before things happen. Exactly. Which is fine. I don't mind because I like to see things on the screen. I think it'll be fine. a lot in that two minute trailer though. It's a lot of things jumping in. Yeah, but you could, you could never it. you could never figure out where in the story that shit exactly. is. Because it's all over the place. Yeah. But, I but dug it does it. look really good. I dug it. I, and like I said, the Needful Things thing is not a bad thing. I, I want to see this so can't wait to see it. Unlike David Gordon Green in Halloween who I have no faith in whatsoever, I have nothing but faith in Mike Flanagan. It's going to be good. Bullshit. No, I like Mike Flanagan. The only thing I didn't like, I like him was uh, I, know, I, like, I like Mike Flanagan too, but uh, I, I, I stop taking shots. Be positive. Be positive. I Mike am, I'm telling you, I think it's going to be excellent. I'm talking about Halloween. Uh, no, I can't Gordon. say anything good about that. Exactly. Be positive. <laughs> stop being the the old stick in the mud. But anyways, with that being said, that's going to wrap up this week's Horror Zone news. Uh, you know what? If you want to talk to us about any of the news we talked about or you want to bring something to our attention, it's easy. Hit us up on all the social medias. Horror Zone 607. Throw an at in front of it if you have to. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Remember on social media to hit that hashtag HZ607 whenever talking about the show. For all other information, make sure you stop by 8122productions.com. It's a one-stop shop. You can find everything about the Three Fat Nerds podcast, Horror Zone 607, 607TWS, friends of the show like the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast that uh, Mike C. mentioned earlier. Of course, music, music guests, including our friends that you'll hear at the end of this show, the Jasons. Yes. You can find out all about them. Love those and guys. And so much more over at 8122productions.com. Also, the Twitch twitch.tv slash six or some podcast make sure you're following us on. we have a lot of cool stuff coming up so a follow and you know when we go live and if you're a wrestling fan it should be a must because we do 607 TWS from there each and every week and last but certainly not least if you would like to support the show you can do so on Patreon patreon.com slash 8122 productions for as little as $1 a month you get a ton of extra bonus content each and every month brought to you including this show and is the unslashed and edition and it comes to you early but but I want to throw this out there. There's only two tiers. There's a $1 tier and a $3 tier. Right, Mike C? That's right. This month, we gave away 
an exclusive hoodie that is not going to be for sale. It's what we're wearing to New York Comic Con, and only 607 Podcast teammate, team members have it. Even the ones of us that aren't going to New York Comic Con, we're all getting them. But I can't wait for that. Uh, but, I'll be sporting that all the time. But here's a, here's a, here's the thing. Somebody won that. But next month, next month, the month of October, because we're going to New York Comic Con, we are giving out an exclusive Three Fat Nerds, a 3FN shirt. That if you're in the $3 tier by the end of this month, you're going to get that shirt next month in October. When we order them, have them sent, and then we're going to have them sent out. So there you go. There's a gift. Uh, there's a reason to join the $3 tier. It's not breaking the bank, and you get extra bonus content on top of it, but you can do that with a dollar as well. Patreon.com slash 8122productions. And if you forget any of what I just mentioned, just look down below in the liner notes for this show, and uh, the links are all there. The hyperlinks are there. Click on the link. I'll take you. Absolutely. That's nice. You do a good job with that. You know, you're I the try. best in the business when it comes to doing that. I try. Uh, so, coming up in the second half of the show, as Rich kind of alluded to, we are going to be reviewing the brand new Candyman movie. We did kind of talk about it a little bit in our uh, news section, uh, news segment, I should say, last week. Uh, but now I've actually gone back to the movies for the first time in nearly two years, and I went to see it, and it was Rich's second time seeing it. So, we're going to be reviewing that. Uh, I, I, I think it's safe to say that there's going to be spoilers uh, when we do this, so here's your warning right now. Spoiler alert. We will be discussing the movie in full detail. Yes, so when we come back from the... If you do not want to hear the spoilers from this movie uh stop the stop it now we're, we're going to break either way because we always take a break but stop the, the podcast now come back when you see it and then listen to it absolutely if you don't mind the spoilers you've already seen it you want to hear our take on it after the break when we come back you will have you will have the opportunity to hear that that's right but before we go to the break Ooh. it is time for this week's horizon 607 trivia question and uh, as you know i've tried to th- you know, make like a theme out of our uh, trivia question. I, I like to have some sort of a theme with whatever we're going to be doing in the second segment of the show. Uh, and if we're going to be reviewing Candyman, you know, I wanted to have some sort of a Candyman related uh, themed question for you this week. But I don't. I, I couldn't think of anything. We've already asked a Candyman question in the past, and I couldn't think of anything on short notice here, and I didn't think about it during the week. So got a completely different question that has nothing to do with it, and it's going to be monumental nonetheless because it's going to be the first true or false question. You got a 50-50 chance of getting this one right. Okay. First true or false question in the history of Horizon 607 trivia. Here it goes. True or false? Jaws was the highest grossing film of the 1970s. One more time, true or false? Jaws was the highest grossing film of the 1970s. The answer coming up right after the break. I'll be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, and you're listening to Rich and Mike on the Horror Zone 607 Podcast.
And welcome back to The Zone. That haunting tune you're listening to is what was originally called Helen's Theme in the 1993 horror movie classic Candyman. In the new movie Candyman, it is called Music Box. But the same haunting tune that we know so well from the Candyman series. Well, it is remixed, too. There's a little extra to it, but yeah. So cool. That sounded so awesome on screen. I can't wait till we talk about this in a minute. Yes. Uh, Because it... this this movie uh, definitely packed a punch, and uh, that that was a great way to end the movie with that theme and what was going on at the time. We can't do that yet because we got to go over this week's Horror Zone six oh seven trivia question. The question was true or false? Jaws was the highest grossing film of the nineteen seventies. So my basis on this is going to be the fact that uh, it has been called the first summer blockbuster. That is what Jaws has been called. That's been referred to. So because it was called the first summer blockbuster, that means I think it had to make all the monies. So I'm going to say it's true. You're going to go true. The correct answer is false. Really? It was the second highest grossing film of the 1970s to the one and the only Star Wars. Ah, okay. Makes sense. So then. close. Makes so sense. close. Makes sense. I still have confidence that you were going to get that question right. but Oh, I mean, I, 50, I 50. was... I was thinking, you know, first big major blockbuster. Yeah. It has to be the it has to be a winner winner. And it was close. It was. Just couldn't hold on to Star Wars. All right. Well, there you go. I mean it's not it's not to be upset about. Nothing to be upset about Star Wars. Well, Mike C, guess what time it is though? It is time for the horror zone talking horror segment and the review of Candyman twenty twenty one. That's right. It is another one of those lovely movies that I like to uh, say about that. So once again, I want to give everybody one last fair warning. One last time. One last time. It is time to get out of the show. Stop it. Come back to it later. If you don't want things spoiled for this movie, because there literally is zero way to talk about this movie without spoiling this movie. <laughs> That's correct. Okay. So with that being said, this is the, this is your time to vote out. Come back here. What we have to say later. Cause trust me, you're going to want to hear it. Uh, but with that being said, we are going to count it in right now. And of course, in three, two, one, we are talking spoilers. So we are spoilers in right now. So here it is. Uh, so Candyman, let's give you the little rundown before we go into it, though. Uh, came out on August 27th, 2021. Runtime of 91 minutes. It was uh, distributed by Universal Pictures and produced by Metro Golden uh, MGM. I'm not going to say the full name. <laughs> uh, Monkey Paw Productions and Braun Creative. Uh, the cinematographer was John Gorsman, which is important because he did a great job. Uh, and it was produced by Ian Cooper, Wynn Rosenfeld, and Jordan Peele. It is based on the uh, story Candyman by Bernard Rose, which he created for the first movie. And, of course, that was inspired by, in this also, The Forbidden by Clive Barker. It was a short story. The screenplay for this movie was written by Jordan Peele, Nia DaCosta, and Wynn Rosenfeld. And it was directed by Nia DaCosta. Of course, it stars Yaya Abdul-Mateen, Tiana Paris, Nathan Stewart-Jarrett, Coleman Domingo, and so many others, including uh, some returns, which we'll talk about in a second. Yes, we will. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to just, I'm going to spoil it right up front. Well, actually, no. Let me, let me take you through. There's, there's stages of this movie I want to take people down before we jump in. Because I think that if we jump right in, it takes away the masterfulness that I believe that this movie was. Correct. In the story, at least. So, this movie opens up, and we see kind of the telling, uh, the first part of the telling of Sherman Fields, who we'll find out a little bit more about in a second, but 
we get to see that. Fast forward to present day, and this, by the way, is in the 1970s in Cabrini Green. And fast forward now, we're in present day Cabrini Green, which has now been gentrified. Or in the uh, words of one of our main characters, they gentrified the shit out of it, <laughs> uh, which I thought was fun. Uh, so here we go. Nicer apartments. And uh, we have an artist and his uh, artsy woman having dinner with her brother and his, his lover. And uh, this is how we get introduced to him. And this is the first plot device, believe it or not, because while at dinner, the brother, uh, Troy, decides to tell a story about Helen Lyle. Because Cabrini Green has a horrible history, and one of that is the story of Helen Lyle. And if you remember, Helen Lyle was the heroine, if you will, of the original movie. But... Played by the great Virginia Madsen. Thank you. But... But there has been a long conspiracy theory that said what we saw in the first movie wasn't real. Some people think if you take Candyman and you leave it as a standalone, the conspiracy theory goes, and I know you've heard this, Mike, that we see it from her perspective, but really she was the killer the whole time. There was no such thing as Candyman. And that was one of the things we talked about this after the movie. That's one of the things that all these years I've been confused about. There, there was a lot of confusion with that first movie. You don't really know. There's some things that are kind of left up to your own imagination with it. I never knew if they were plot holes or if it was done intentionally. But basically what they tell is kind of one thing that's gone through my mind uh-huh. for 30 years. So it's a good plot device because the way they tell a story is that she went crazy. She killed a dog. She killed some people. She escaped and killed some people. And then she kidnapped the baby and then tried to throw the baby into a bonfire. The people got the baby back and she walked into the bonfire and died. Correct. That is the story that Troy tells, and that is the urban legend that people have at this point in juncture. So Anthony decides that he's going to be inspired by Cabrini Green to do art, and while he's out, he meets a young man that is going to play a huge por- portion of this movie, and that young man is William is played by uh, Coleman Domingo, but his name in the movie is William Burke, and William Burke. Uh, I wouldn't say a young man. We, we, we find out in this conversation, this is the first time we find out about Candyman. Yes. Because he says, oh, you know, he's telling him about, he asks him about the Helen Lyle stuff and they're back at the laundromat that he owns. And he says, oh, uh, that's just, you know, one white woman gets killed and, you know, everybody writes about it for a million years. He was like, besides, it wasn't even her. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, the Candyman did it. And he's like, the Candyman? Who's the Candyman? And the guy goes, well. My candy man is a man named Sherman Fields. Now, this time we find out that William was the young boy from the open of the movie who kind of alerted the cops on accident to the location of Sherman Fields, which gets him killed. Right, because there's a uh, there's a story going around that uh, Sherman Fields was somebody they called the Candyman because he, gave he all handed the kids out candy, candy yeah. to kids, and some kids die or a kid dies. Um, I believe it was a white child died from a razor blade. I don't think she died because I don't think they said that. She, they said that she was cut pretty bad You're by a razor blade and a candy. A little I'm white just girl. Remembering it wrong. He says a little but white girl. a little girl, white yeah, girl yeah. gets something happens to her with a razor in a, in candy, and they automatically assume that it's Sherman Fields. That it's Sherman. And so they, they, once they're alerted, they beat this man to death. And then we find out in the story that two weeks later, another kid gets cut by razor blade and candy. So Sherman Correct. was innocent. That's so right. they killed an innocent man, and, and Sherman is his Candyman. What, you know, what is Candyman? Well, Candyman, if you summon him, say his name. So basically, he tells all this off air. Because later on, we hear from Anthony while he's telling his girlfriend, uh, her name in the movie is Brianna, while he's telling Brianna that uh, you know he's got this inspiration, he paints this painting, it's like a brutality of Sherman, and then he says, you know, they told me this story about Candyman, if you say his name in the mirror five times, 
he'll come. So he says Candyman five times. And of course, you get the first shot of Sherman as the Candyman. In the mirror image. In the mirror image. Right. Which plays a part. I thought this was really cool. So anyways, long story short, we get our finally, there's some things happen at an art show. We finally get our first kill. <laughs> and it's fucking brutal. Yes, it is. Uh, and and the cool thing is they shoot it through the mirror. So you can't see the Candyman, who is Sherman Fields. And we'll get to this later in my, when we talk, when we break it down. And you can't see him unless he's, there's a mirror. That's right. So at one point, he claws the screen in half. And the guy can see him in the mirror doing it. But then when he's looking at the screen, there's nobody there. And then when he gets drugged through the, uh, the, the, the art exhibit, it's kind of cool because every time they pass a door or a mirror or something reflective, you can see the Candyman. But any other time, it just looks like he's getting drugged in the air. Right. And it was really cool. I, it was I dug really that. Cool. I, dug, I dug the shooting. Once again, that's why I mentioned the cinematographer because I think he did an amazing job in this movie. Uh, things start to happen. Uh, eventually, an art critic ends up eating it as well. Uh, and uh, these young girls <laughs> in, a, in a high school yeah. eat it. We're not going to go into it. The, the kills are brutal and they're good. I just want to stick to the story and kind of go over an overview because we get to plot device number two at this point. So we're about halfway. We're over halfway because we're we're exiting the second act, entering the third act. It's after uh, the critic gets killed, and he's been stung by a bee. He is his he's arm stung looks, by a bee at the beginning of the movie. Right, but he goes to where Cabrini Green was. Yes, that's when he meets William Burke. I skipped over that part, but right. anyways, his but arm keeps looking nastier the yeah. entire movie, which continues on. So I should have. It looks I like he's to say burned that. or yeah. something. You can't well, quite, honeycomb. Honey, the, I honey wasn't sure if it was supposed to be honeycomb or well, later on. Yeah, it gets, right. it gets at the beginning. It's just brutal. So anyways, he was visiting the critic when she gets killed. He finds out when he's at dinner with these art people that she got killed. And that's what causes him to go back to William Burke. Like I said, this is towards the end of the second act and beginning of the third. And I'm sorry that I forgot to mention the beast thing. Mm -hmm. It does play a part. So when he goes back to William Burke, William Burke is like, well, the candy man is a bunch of people. The Candyman, you know, my Candyman is Sherman Fields. But then he names off a bunch of others. He goes, but it all started in 1890 with Daniel Robitaille. And this is where we find out for the first time that, oh, well, the second time in the movie, they're referencing the original movie. So you're like, oh, well, at least they're referencing it. Right, because he talks about how we, Helen Lyle... He talks about met, that's, that, that's that who she Candyman. came... That was her Candyman, but his is Sherman, you know, Sherman Fields because it's whoever... Basically, what I took away from it and from this statements and from this is that it's whoever you heard the story about is your Candyman. And it gets a little more confirmed later, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, because that comes in the third act. Third act opens. Finally, you know, some messed up things happen between the, the, the girlfriend and him. And he ends up at the hospital because he is looking fucking worse for wear. Like this infection is now in his eye is his one eye is kind of uh, grayed over. He's got, he's got the honeycombing up the sides and on his neck. Yep. It's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty gnarly looking, too. Oh, and his fingernail comes off, which has really made me squeam. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so he's kind of uh. He goes to the hospital near Cabrini Green, and the nurse says to him, "Well, welcome back, Mister McCoy." And he goes, "Welcome back. I've never been here before." She goes, "Well, you were born in this hospital." He's like, "I was born here. Like, I was born in what do you say? I was the born south in the south side. side. I'm, I'm from the south side." She was like, "Well, according to the records, you were born here." So when he leaves, we finally go see his mother, played by Vanessa Williams. Yes, who played the same character in the original movie. 
That's correct. And, I, and now I know why they didn't bring her in until later. Remember, he, she's calling him. They were supposed to go to dinner, but they saved her for the third act for this reason, because as soon as you see her, you know that this is the woman from the original movie. And just to, you know, for people that may not remember this, uh, when Helen and her friend are talking about this urban legend and they they go to Cabrini Green, there's a woman that shows up with a, with a Rottweiler and they kind of befriend her. She's got a newborn baby. She's got the Rottweiler. And they end up befriending this woman. That's who Vanessa Williams was playing. It was the same character. Right. And in the before sto- told story about Helen Lyle, her this is the lady's baby who gets kidnapped. Yes. So we enter the house. And he's, and you know, Anthony, they have some small talk before Anthony goes, what about Candyman? She goes, ah, we don't say his name. And he was like, Mother, why did I go and find out that I was born in a different hospital? What aren't you telling me? She's like, I, I'm, I'm trying to protect you. And she, he goes, it doesn't look like it's working. Because at this point, you know, obviously he's looking like shit. Yeah. <laughs> so finally she goes, well, when you were a baby, and then he mentions Helen Lyle. She goes, well, when you were a baby, that lady, they thought she, we all thought she took you, but she didn't. She's the one that saved you. He took you. She refuses to say his name, by the way. Correct. He took you. He's the one that stole you, and she saved you. She saved your life, and and she was like, I had to protect you from him. So we all made a pact, and obviously somebody broke that. We were never supposed to say his name again. And I was like, oh, fuck, we're on a full-on sequel. This is now officially a sequel. Which closed that gap of what always confused me for 30 years. But I love, I love how they kind of like, okay, we're going to make reference to the original. Then we're going to make reference to it again, but you don't quite think it's a sequel. Although I started putting it together at that second one. Correct. And then in the third one, we're going to confirm this is a sequel. It's not a reboot. It's not a reimagining. This is a full-on sequel to Candyman, the original 1993 movie. This is it. We're here, ladies and gentlemen. We, we, we're candy Riffic. Candy Rain. We should have played Candy Rain. <laughs> Anyways. so Or no, 96 movie. Sorry, it's not 93. It's 96. I keep saying 90. Was, was Candyman 92 or 93? I, I can't remember the year. Look that up for me. Because I've been too busy talking about this movie. So with that being said, it is a sequel. So we go into the third act, and uh, William Burke is a little crazy. He wants to stop the gentrification of... 92. 92. Okay, good. He wants to stop the gentrification of Cabrini Green. That's what we find out. He kidnaps the girlfriend, by the way. Greatest line ever. When she opens up the basement door, she's just like, nope, and shuts the door. <laughs> Loved it. Anyways, he kidnaps her. She, he ties her up. So then he gives us, and when she comes to, he's calling the cops, saying, the man, the man through the hook that's killed people, the one you're looking for, he's here. He's here at Cabrini Green. He's trying to kill us. And meanwhile, Anthony's staring at the wall. He's Brianna's trying to talk to Anthony. And then William, it says, you know, starts off with saying, I got baptized here, but then moves into, they've gentrified it. So now, now we need the candy man. The candy man is going to kill them, their fathers, their grandfathers. That's what we're going to do. We're going to kill them. We're going to get rid of them. We're going to take back our community because the candy man is going to get them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, interesting. So you get the plot right there. There it is. He, he gives out what he is. So, but before then, he then starts telling the story. He was like, and you know what? Did you ever hear the story of Anthony McCoy, the artist who snapped and started killing people in Cabrini Green? I'll tell you what, say his name in a mere five times and he'll come and get you. He was like, and they're all going to say it. And I was just like, wow. It was genius to tell it that way through the crazy guy, I thought. Yeah. But then one of the most disturbing scenes of the movie happens because he asks Anthony for his arm. Anthony hands him his arm and he then hacksaws that fucker off. And that's not all. Oh my God. And then he slams a hook into it. 
and tightens it off with a belt. <laughs> puts on the Candyman's jacket. Puts on puts on Sherman Fields' jacket. Gives him the hook, and then he pulls out the the sacrament, which is two razor blade lollipops. And this is a part I had a problem with. She gets away, and then he chases her. He obviously puts the lollipop in his mouth, and he, what he was meaning to do anyways. But it was just weird that he did it before he procured procured her. Yeah. Which was weird. So then he chases her down, and uh, she kills him. <laughs> I love I love the line from uh, from Anthony. Uh, I think he's dead now. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, he's looking worse for where the police show up. And he's on the ground. She's holding him. She's trying to call for help. The police come in, and they open fire and kill Anthony on the spot. While he's laying on the floor doing nothing. Bleeding out, basically. Bleeding out, because he's got his arm cut off. Yep. So here comes the, the fun part of the movie. More message, but still fun. They put her in the car. The, the cop in charge comes, gets in the car with her and says, listen, the way I see it is uh, we came to save you because he was trying to kill you. He lunged at us, my officer knowing what he already did, and then they shot him. Officer Jones shot him. Or you were holding those people down while he carved them up nicely, and you go to the prison for the rest of your life. Make your choice. And so she says, well, I'll tell you everything if I can see myself. And the cop goes, no. She's like, well, I'll say whatever you want me to say if I can see myself. And he goes, okay, suit yourself. So, of course, they pull down the mirror, and she whispers, mirror. she whispers, Candyman. And he's like, huh? And she whispers, Candyman again. Then she gets kind of like a childish to her because she's like, Candyman. Mm-hmm. So she says it five times, and upon the fifth time, the doors of the car lock. <laughs> and we see the reemergence of Anthony just laying waste to these cops. But it's not Anthony per se, like just in his physical, because he's morphing back and forth into bees. Yes. There are bees and all over looked, his I head. Believe it or not, it looked really cool. It did look cool. It was very CGI, but oh, yeah. it, it was it was cool they looking. Did, they did a good job there, yeah. I, I'm going to say. Uh, and then I, I don't think that this, the kill against the window was CGI, because that blood looked pretty gnarly. <laughs> he slices a uh, cop's throat right against the window of the car. And then uh, the one cop, he opens the door, he unlocks the door, the power of the candy man unlocks the doors, and he dissipates. And the one cop gets out and he runs, and then you hear Anthony McCoy saying, you know, where, where people, people always think that the innocent die, but it's not the innocent. You know, you're definitely not innocent, officer. How many people have you killed? How many people? And as the guy is running around the car, he keeps seeing in different windows different images of all the different candy men. Right. Which was really cool. It was cool. Really cool. And then the cop runs off. The door swings open for Brianna. She gets out of the car, still cuffed, obviously. She starts walking because you can hear the cop scream. When we get to the cop and she looks, you don't see a face at all. It's just bees. You see the jacket. You see the hook. hook. You see, you him, see bees all around the You see the cop head. held up. Yep. He, we see the cop gutted. <laughs> and then as he turns to look at Brianna, who is looking at him, the bees start to form a face. But we also hear a voice. And that voice is not of Yahya Abdul-Mateen. It's not of the guy who is Sherman Fields. No, 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 no. The voice is of the one and only Tony Todd. And then through, through de-aging, we see Tony Todd. And he looks at her. And she, he just goes, tell my story. And then that's it. Yeah. And it goes kind of, but it was really cool. I thought it was a great plot device. And then at the end, we get to see the puppet art the really cool paper pupper of all the different stories of all the different candy men. And it was an interesting way that they told those stories through that. Oh yeah. You know, you just see how they, you know, it's cheaper than, you know, using CGI and taking up time to bring in actors and stuff like that. They just did this and, and don't give me, I, I don't really know how cool you thought, how I thought it. it was kind of creepy. 
It was I creepy. Dug it. I dug. it was very creepy, but it was very well done. But the artist man. that did that was very uh, talented. So I knew some people were having a hard time with the story. And me and Mike were breaking it down after. And even on the second time, I got to see even more than the first, and I already liked it. I thought the story did a good job of weaving in the message, which the message was the gentrification and police brutality. I thought it did a great job. I know that, that when we got to the end with the cop stuff, you thought that that could have possibly been too much. But I think after we talked about it for a minute, we both agreed that they just needed that big final kill scene. So right. it worked for that because we get a body count in that scene. Like throughout the movie, they're very well pacing of their kills. It's very well paced with the story. The story is very good. Like I'm hoping to see a sequel to this. Like maybe not just about, maybe not about the Anthony McCoy character. Maybe about the Sherman Fields character or one of the other Candyman because I think that's what they've set up here. They've set up the Candyman is when somebody is murdered unjustly that they can come back like almost like the crow as the Candyman. And if you hear the tale of them, that's the Candyman you see. So if the, somebody hears the tale of Anthony McCoy, you will see Anthony McCoy. If you hear the tale of Sherman Fields, you will see Sherman Fields. If you hear the, the uh, tale of, of Daniel Robitaille, you will see Daniel Robitaille. So that's why each Candyman is different, but they're the same in essence. It's the same, it's the same entity, but it, no matter, whatever the tale is, is who you see. Right. And so that's why it ties in perfectly. And you could do so much great stuff with this coming out of this movie. I did tell you afterwards I would like to see a direct sequel to this movie so we could get a, a little more clearer cut of the Anthony McCoy character as Candyman, as the actual embodiment of Candyman. But I, I could see this going in many different directions, and I'm very excited for it. Like I said, I thought the story was there. I don't think it ever became didactic. I thought they weaved it so good into the storyline that it just made sense. Right. And on top of that, you get a really badass, brutal slasher movie mixed into a really good ghost story. And I thought it was a really good ghost story. They really make you feel about the characters. You really get to spend some time with these characters. You get to learn a lot about it. And they take you for a ride. Because like I said, in the beginning, they're like, oh, it's cool that they threw the Helen Lyle stuff in. Oh, later on in the movie, we get to hear her voice. And it's actually her voice. It was actually Virginia Madsen, which leading up to this, we were reading that there was some other actress that was cast to play Helen Lyle. So I expected it was either going to be a flashback or her ghost or something. Maybe it was actually taking place in the 90s. And that's not what happened. I think that the person that was cast to play quote unquote you know Helen Lyle was a film critic might have been the the film critic because she kind of looked like a younger version of her I agree. Um, but it was actually Virginia you don't see Virginia Madsen's face you'd see like uh, pictures of her in the newspaper from that film like mm -hmm. still frames of it but it was actually Virginia Madsen's voice we find that out in the credits because yeah, I was like boy I wonder if that's her or a sound alike and it was her yeah they recorded it it sounded really cool yeah uh, I dug that and it was similar um, to stuff that she was saying in the first movie it was like that but it was like expanded upon you hear the Daniel Robitaille kind of consent. So you're like, at first, you're still like, I started putting it together there that it was a sequel. Right. But at you the hear same her talking time, to the two cleaning ladies that she yeah. talked to at the college at the beginning of the first movie. and But then you get, like, you kind of get into this area where you're like, well, it might not be a sequel. They might just paying, be paying homage. Mm -hmm. But then you get the full on, he was the baby from the original. So it right. was a sequel. I, I just like the story. I thought they, I thought they did a better job of any of the horror movies who have come out who have uh, tried to restart up with just taking the original and then moving to a new thing to get rid of some of the ickier parts. I think this movie did that better than anybody and if I'm an, a director and I'm trying to make this a movie like a Texas Chainsaw Here's your template. Like a, like, like a Nightmare on Elm Street here is your template. And that was one of the things we referenced because you've talked about that with me personally and then on the show as well that Robert England says yeah you know he's kind of said maybe he's got one more in him but he wants to pass off here you go this is this is the way they it's did like it. somebody and, was listening to you and tony todd wasn't in this movie long but long enough for me and probably every other fan to go 
oh shit, he passed it off. And he's very proud of this film. Yes, Coming into it, he said he was very proud when he was telling everybody he wasn't in it. Liar. Yeah. <laughs> he did a good job, though. And, and, and you know what? You don't have to be in a long... He's giving it the okay, because obviously Tony Todd's getting older, and he, he just can't do it. Right. So the fact that he got to pass on the mantle in a way that they can create a whole other universe makes sure that that, in, that, that that makes sure that his place in the horror, uh, the, the pantheon of horror is, is there. Right. Nobody's going to ever forget about him being Candyman because that is going to live on. And you're going to, ha- and when they reference it, you're going to go back and watch that original film. Right. And I think that that is what Jordan Peele, Nia DaCosta did so well in this movie. Agreed. And here's my takeaways from this this whole thing. So first of all, and we talked a lot about this after the movie when we were we talked for like an hour after the movie outside mm-hmm. of the theater about this. Um, I, I do think because Yahya Abdul Mateen is is kind of like a hot actor in Hollywood right now. Um, I do think that the point of this movie ultimately is going to be to pass on the the mantle, you know, the the, the Candyman uh, movies to him because Tony Todd can't do it anymore. Um, so I do think that eventually we probably will get some sequels to this. I do think that you're going to get your wish where you know it, it'll follow the Anthony McCoy Candyman story. I, I do think that that's what the whole point is here. Um, but like you mentioned and like we talked about privately is they you know the, the story that this Burke character tells you know here's the thing you know Candyman is a franchise but is it really because the second and the third movies that came out I think that the second one did go to theaters if I'm not mistaken it I know did. the third one was direct to, to video farewell to the flesh went to the theaters they were not good movies no widely regarded as very bad movies in fact and um, you know this erased those for the most part there was little nods to them and stuff like that some stories that are told and, and whatnot that kind of reference that but for the most part I mean they're they're eliminated it kind of did what Halloween 2018 did with the Halloween franchise it, it, it washed those out and it's telling a new story. So, you know, here you got the the option of of actually creating a brand new franchise that's actually going to be really good because there's more story to tell here. There's enough characters that survived. There's more story to tell here, which I'm sure that that's what they were leaving it open to. But you could also have some side stories. Everybody likes these side stories. Star Wars has done it. The uh, Marvel movies have all done it. There's all these different side stories that come out. If this does well enough, there's your option right there. You could go into the Sherman Candyman. You could go into more Daniel Robitaille if you really wanted to. You could go into there was like a little boy that got executed that they show. Um, There's a lot of different ways that you could take this and make some really interesting new movies, new Candyman movies out of this. So whether they'll be received well enough, you know, that's another story. I think everybody. Everybody has this idea that, you know, Pinhead is Doug Bradley and Freddy is always going to be Robert England. Well, this is a way, you know, in in this movie, everybody's going to think the Candyman is Tony Todd. But this was done in such a masterful way that now you could carry this on for a whole new group of people that have never even seen the original one, maybe don't even know that the original one exists. You, you've got this new character that can carry on the franchise, but you could take it into different avenues if you really want to and I think they'd all be very interesting I I would want to see those Um, another thing that I really liked about this and this is something I've said right from the start one of the things that I'm big on Halloween 2 was filmed in the exact same streets and neighborhoods the Halloween 1 was I have a lot of problems with sequels that don't go back and do that it's one of the things I don't like about the new Halloween movies you had the option to do that you filmed it in the Carolinas instead it just doesn't have the same look or feel to it to me this did it filmed it 
where Cabrini Green once was. There was a lot of stuff in the row houses that are still there. I, I, I think that they're abandoned at this point and fenced off in reality. Yes. Um, but they're still there. You don't really see those. I, I don't think you see those at all in the original movie, but it took place there. The opening scene where you see the flashback in the 1970s with what we find out is Burke when he's a young boy, it was really well done where he's standing out in front of Cabrini Green looking up at one of the buildings. Those buildings are gone, but they... You know, they they put it into the movie yeah, where it looked like it was really there. He's looking from the, the the flat buildings into one of the towers. Yeah, the towers are now all gone. There's so only some of the row houses right. left. But but they imposed they it into a, the film they did a, where they it did it very real. good. It looked real. It looked very good. So that was really cool too. I'm I'm glad that they filmed it where they did. I'm glad that they also you know that it wasn't filmed somewhere else and they just made it look like that. It was the real place. It was authentic. It had that authenticity that so many movies don't have and, and sequels especially don't have. Um, and I did tell you that you know. The one thing, and I understand why they did it, but if there was any kind of like maybe like a negative thing that I would say is that there wasn't enough Candyman. There's a lot of talk about him, but there wasn't enough. And again, it was done for a reason. The story played out in a way that, you know, it, it was done intentionally. But, you know, yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen more Tony Todd. I would have loved to have seen more Daniel Robitaille. I, I would have loved to have seen that. And that doesn't really happen until that very last scene, and it's just a cameo appearance by him. Um, so, you know, if there's anything, and I'm not going to take anything away because the story was so darn good that, you know, it didn't really matter. But I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. Instead of just like you know mirror images and stuff, but it, it that that added to the suspense of it. I, I will say this: I I'm going to I, I've heard some other people when they've reviewed this movie say that this is a movie where you could have given me another 15 minutes and I've been all right. It mm -hmm. seems like they had a hard out for the hour and a half. I, I'm I, this could have been two hours. And I've been the story was that yeah. good. This movie could have been longer. I'm glad that I'm glad that they didn't because it does make it does make it like a nicer comeback for a sequel. But at the same point, if this movie would have told a little more story in another 15, 30 minutes, I'd have been fine with it. And who's to say that there's not going to be a cut of it? A director's cut that will have other scenes in there. Maybe they'll help. Maybe they won't. Ooh. Maybe it doesn't exist. But who's to say there isn't? I'd love to see it either way. I mean, I would too. I mean, this movie's done very well in the box office. I'm assuming we're going to get more. Speaking of uh, this. It's time to give our review here for Horror Zone. Uh, but before we do, let's talk about what it's getting scores around else, everywhere else. IMDb give it a 6.4 out of 10. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes currently has it at an 85% uh, combined score. And uh, Google users currently have it at 79%, hmm. uh, which is a little lower than I thought it would be, but still, still decent numbers. Uh, all right. Well, on that note, let's give our scores. I'm going to go first. I've said this since the first time I've seen it. Even after I saw it again, I'm going to stick with it. The only thing I really, and I'm being, I, I the only nitpicky part for me for this whole movie, and you know what I'm going to say, is I think they should have spent a little more time in the rows just because it was a lot creepier of an atmosphere. Oh, absolutely. I do like the fact that a lot of the kills happened during the daytime just because it kind of does give it a little more scariness, if you will. Yeah, it's but, not just the only bad things happen at night. It can happen anytime. But I would have liked to see a little more of that for the atmosphere because some of the atmospheric stuff, you had really good atmospheric stuff, and then you had some kind of, and I'm not going to say bad, but it was eh, okay. Uh, so that's the only thing I'm really taking away. I'm actually going to... I'm raising it in my points, man. Because of that, because I think I was too brutal on it the, the first time. I am giving this movie an 8.7 out of 10. Or 8.75 out of 10. Because I thought the story was that damn good. Wow. Like, literally, this movie has an amazing story. It is just outside of being in the pantheon of great greatest horror movies of all time in that nine area. But I think 8.75 is fair. The, the movie was a very good movie. The story was great. Uh, the kills were there, but they didn't oversaturate you with the kills. 
I would have just added a little more atmosphere, a little more darker of an atmosphere, and outside of that, I have zero problems. Hmm, nice. So this is a movie that you've seen twice now. I've only seen once. I absolutely plan on getting this. That, that's one of the ways you know that I really like a movie is if I buy it on either DVD or now on digital, uh, and I have every intention of buying this when it comes out on digital because I want to watch this movie several more times. Um, so I'm sure that my score might actually change a little bit one way or the other, probably for the better uh, once I actually watch it again. Um, we've never actually done a review of the original movie. I would say the original movie, if I was to give it a score, it may sound low, but I give it a very, very solid, solid 6.5 out of 10, I, I think. Um, this movie, I, I, I'm going to say it's actually better than the original. Um, I'm going to give this, despite the, the fact that there really isn't Candyman per se in the way that I was hoping to get him. Right. Um, and, and, you know, there are some things that could have been done a little bit more. Like like you said, it could have been a little bit longer and they could have even expanded on it a little bit more. Um, and maybe they're saving some things for a sequel. I always said I was confused about things with the first one and this one t- it ties up all of those loose ends. Uh, especially Helen's story. There was a lot of things that were kind of ambiguous with that. Um, so that being said, um, I, I don't want this to sound like this is a low score, but I'm going to give it a really, really, really strong eight point like eight point zero eight eight out of ten that's good score that's not a bad score at all i i mean i i think this movie is fantastic if you haven't seen it please go see it if you have the same opinions or if you have different opinions go ahead and hit us up on the social medias horror zone 607 throw an at in front of it if you have to we're on twitter facebook and instagram uh we always want to hear from you guys but yeah man i i really do i think this is a solid movie if you have not seen it and you just listened to it sorry you got it spoiled but you were warned you were and warned several times it, and if you've seen it and you have a different take let me know but i i really think of that it was very good and very well done of course 8122productions.com to get all that information make sure you drop by one stop shop and you can always stream the shows right from there as well uh so much and so much more so just make sure you're sure 8122productions.com that's all i got for the people mike take them home all right sounds good well rich i want to thank you for for everything that you do each and every week for us listeners thank you so much for tuning in each and every week we love you we appreciate it we hope that you enjoy everything that we say throw out some ideas of things that you want us to do you know the maestro has told you many times you want you want to hear him review a really bad movie let us know he'll do it that's not that's not a threat that's a promise he'll do it so get at us tell us you know about some ideas you know tell us what you want to hear on the show we want to know what you guys want we will be back at it of course next week um we may or may not be getting uh, out to see malignant which is the james wan quote-unquote <laughs> jello which we're convinced by the trailer that he actually meant jello you're supposed to watch this movie J-E-L-L-O. while you're eating jello uh we're not 100 percent sure because it does not look like a jello but uh, be that as it may we we may or may not get out to see that this week if we do we'll be reviewing that on next week's show if not you know obviously we'll be here with the week's biggest news and we'll be we'll have something fun to talk about i'm sure so uh and uh last but not least uh taking us home uh the music that you'll be hearing at the end of the show this week will be our friends the jasons uh this week's song is going to be called tina's got telekinesis i figured it was fitting because we talked about part seven earlier <laughs> yes, so tina's so. got telekinesis by the jasons check it out and here we go are you ready i am ready but before we get to that for rich i'm mike c saying see ya <laughs>